I start? First, welcome, Redeemer City Church. I'm glad that you're here. Um, I want to pray for our kids, um, and I want to read something from Matthew 19:14. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? So I just want to pray for the kids because they're our future, and uh, theirs is the kingdom of God. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, um, thank you for these little ones. Um, thank you for what they learn next door um, about you and keeping their vision up to you. Um, Father, continue to guide them, guide the parents, guide us as we minister to our children, and we raise them up in the way that they should go. And may they grow, and may their face, may your face shine upon them. May they always give you the glory. I say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, little ones, you can go. All right, so like Pastor Mitch said, we'll be in John. Um, I'm excited to, to kind of come off the hills of where Mitch was last week. Um, he was in John... 11. If you remember, he preached on Lazarus. And so first I want to know, like, what, do we, what do we know about John, the author? One is he called himself Jesus' beloved, right? So he was one of the closest to Jesus, um, one of the, the inner circle, right? That was John. He's the son of Zebedee. And also, this gospel has a very unique content, different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic gospels but um, completes them, right? And most likely it was the last gospel written. And why was this book written? Well, it's broken up into two parts. The first half, which is where we're at, is the book of signs. The latter half is the book of glory. The book of signs, John recorded this because he wanted you to believe in who Jesus was. He wanted you to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And so my question to you is, who do you say that Jesus is? That's the question that you're going to have to answer for yourself. Who do you say that he is? My hope is that when you walk out of here today, that your faith will be renewed in Jesus and that it would increase. So the bulk of John's gospel like I said, the first half, 1 through 12, is the book of signs. But there's three observations, uh, three observations that I want to focus on today. The first one, well, I'll say two of them are questions. The first one is a, the last one is a statement that provoked thought. The first one is this. Why did Jesus stay two more days after hearing Lazarus was sick? And how does this directly contribute to the plot to kill him. So Mitch talked about that last week. We're going to get into that a little bit. Number two, Jesus claiming to be the coming Messiah, God, plus his signs pointing to his deity. Why did that contribute to the plot to kill him? And three, if you're a believer, if you're neutral, if you're adamantly against Jesus, Realize that he can still use you for his will 
and glory. And I want to point that out as well. So, in John 11, right, why did Jesus stay two days longer? And when Mitch was preaching last week, if you remember, he was wrestling with verse 6 and 7, John 6 and 7. Now, it's not going to be up there, but I'm going to read it to you. And this is on the heels of verse 5, which is why he was wrestling with this, he said. Now, this is what it says. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that, Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. By show of hands, actually you don't have to show your hands, but if you want to. How many people have seen a dead body before? A lot of people, okay. Um, how many have seen a dead body four days after, not embalmed, no makeup on? All right, how, better question. How many people have had to identify a body at least four days after the death? Anybody? Okay. So, there's four of us in here. One of the hardest things to see. One of the hardest things to see. I had to identify my mom, right, when she passed. I was in Oregon. She was in D.C. And by the time I got over there to identify the body, it had been four days. Now, why is this significant? I'm going to tell you. Jesus waited, yes, because he loved Martha, and he loved Mary, and he loved Lazarus. But also, they didn't have Teslas and cars and things that they can get there real quick. He, was in, he wasn't even in Judea. So the region, you have Judea, and you have, all the, you have Bethlehem, and you have, you have Jerusalem, and you have all these other cities. And I don't know where he was. It said he stayed two more days where he was, but he wasn't in Judea in the region. So it was either north of Samaria or he was south, right? Not sure where he was, but he wasn't in Judea. So it's almost like I was kind of doing the math. If he's somewhere out of Judea, north or south, Jerusalem's like right in the middle. It's almost like equivalent to walking to Orlando about. Okay, he doesn't have horses, they had horses back then, but they're not riding horses. So, Lazarus is sick. They send messengers to Jesus, 50, 60 miles away, who knows, come to Jesus and they say, hey, Lazarus is sick. He doesn't rush right away to get there because chances are Lazarus is already dead. He's already, he's already gone. Okay? Jesus could have easily said, oh, you know what? Go back. He's good. But that wouldn't increase their faith, right? So he waited. Listen to this. The decision to delay oh, coming did not bring about Lazarus' death since he was already, Jesus already knew his plight. So chances are he was already dead. Another reason is Jesus had to make sure this wasn't just resuscitation, Right? Because we can just say, oh, you know, Jesus, 
he did all these miracles, sure. You know, I, I don't really know. He healed somebody that had a, you know, a leg issue. Okay, leprosy, yeah, penicillin. That's around probably. You know, oh, he knew everything I, I, ever, I ever said, the woman at the well. Oh, well, well, you know, they, they record our phone so everybody knows everything about me. You know, so it's like, that's not very impressive. You know, you know how we are. We'll find something. But he waited. And I'll tell you this. Seeing my mom like that wasn't her. The only thing that was resembled her was her nose with her beautiful freckles on it. Everything else, the skin, just life gone. I'm not going to get too graphic because my daughter's here, so I don't want to get too graphic. But it's not a good sight. There's no embalming going on. Really, really tough to see. But what does Isaiah 40, 31 say? You can go there if you want. Isaiah 40, 31. It says this. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. I told Anthony over here, I, I work out with him on Friday. I missed it, but I'm, I told him next Friday we're going to work out. He's going to train me, right? So as he's training me, let's say he has me doing, what are you going to have me do? Some squats or some push-ups? What are you going to, something crazy. Battle ropes? Whatever it is. What? Okay, whatever it is, it's going to be tough, right? But as he's the coach, right, and I'm doing these battle ropes, I'm, whatever it is, okay, I'm not going to stop until he says time, right? So I'm going to wait on coach, and it will renew my strength, right? I will get stronger. This is why we work out. This is why you do squats. This is why we hold the weight, whatever you're doing, right? We understand this physically, so why wouldn't it be the same spiritually, okay? Mary and Martha had to wait on Jesus, and it was tough. Lazarus was their brother. They knew the power that Jesus had. They'd seen it firsthand. But Jesus knew it would be best for them to wait, not only for their benefit, but for our benefit. We're going to get into that. For our benefit. Question number two. Jesus claiming to be the coming Messiah slash God and his signs pointing to his deity. Why did this contribute to the plot to kill him? Well, first we have to look at what Jesus said about himself. All the I am statements. Right, 23 times Jesus, in the Greek text, used the phrase I am. Seven times he paired it with a very powerful metaphor. Listen to this. You got, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. 
A lot of things pointing to life there. But you know the statement that really rubbed the Jewish elite the wrong way? The one that really got him? Was when he said he was the son of man. That was it. See, we, we think of the son of man and there's a son of God. And we think that that means deity, but it, it, it's not. It's like your sons of God, right? Adam was the son of God. Solomon, son of God, right? I think, as a matter of fact, in John 1.12, it said, and I'll read it to you really quick so you have context for this. For, uh, John 1.12, listen to this. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become sons of God, some might say children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will, but of God. It was the son of man. When he said that, that's what really, with the Sanhedrin, that's why he ripped the shirt. He ripped his Versace shirt he's probably wearing back then because he had a lot of money. You know, these, these Sanhedrins. But let's, let's read Mark's account. You can go to Mark 14. If you have a Bible, go to Mark 14, verse 60. Mark 14, verse 60. Now, this is when he's on trial. Okay? So we're fast-forwarding just a little bit in Mark's account. Jesus is on trial. He comes up against the Sanhedrin. Um, and this is what the high priest is saying to him. The wise high priest says this. Do you answer nothing? What these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent, answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him, saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Look at 62. Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, What further do we need of a witness? You heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him to be deserving of death. So they began to spit on him and to blindfold him. And to beat him. Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. The boldness of Christ. Let me tell you why that's significant. So in, in Daniel 7, his visions of the Ancient of Days, this is what it says. And Know this, the Sanhedrin know the word. They know the word in and out, right? So they know that how significant this was what Jesus said. Listen to this. Daniel 7, verse 13. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man 
coming with the clouds of heaven. He came of the ancient of days, and they brought him near before him. They brought him, Jesus, near before him, the Father. Then to him, Jesus, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages serve him. His dominion is everlasting, an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. So when Jesus said that I am, this is what they heard. This is what they heard. And they said, oh, man, we got to get rid of this guy. We got to kill this guy. So this is what Jesus is claiming. This plus all the signs that he was doing. If you would have just said, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, a son, I'm the son of God. St. Hedrian said, okay, me too. Probably would have let him go. Maybe. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, I'm the son of man. The title of, of God's nature. Now, if you're a believer, if you're neutral, if you're adamant against Jesus, this is statement number three, he still has the ability to use you to complete his will for his glory. Now we're going to get into our text. It's a long intro. All right. John 11. I won't be too, I won't be too much longer. John 11, 45. Okay, so with all that as the backdrop, with that as the context, we're stepping into John eleven forty five. Right on the hills of him raising Lazarus from the dead. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary had seen the things Jesus did and believed him. Yeah, you think? He raised somebody from the dead. I mean, if, if a guy comes up to me and says, hey, knows everything about me, everything I've ever done, I'm going to say, ah, you work for the government. <laughs> I'm just saying. He says that he's Jesus. Ah, I don't know. Anymore. I, don't, I don't know. Okay. I see him heal somebody of sickness. Ah, you know, Jesus gave people power. You have some special powers. That's you know, healing. I've seen that before. That's, you know, he walks on water. Okay, that's great. You know, I've seen some magicians do that. I think Chris Angel did. Yeah, I've seen some stuff. So that, but if he literally raises my mom from the dead, I promise you I'm falling to my knees. I'm falling to my knees. And this is, Jesus hasn't even died yet. He's already done this. So, yes, many people said, I want to see Lazarus. They see Lazarus, and Lazarus is, is alive and breathing. They knew for four days this wasn't resuscitation. He was goner. Verse 46. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. 
Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. Verse 48. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. I, I, I wrote in my Bible, tunnel vision. Right? They're so focused on their possessions and their stuff that they can't take with them to heaven. But they're focused on that. Right? They're so focused on their stuff and their things that they're missing the fact that this man raised somebody from the dead claiming to be God. And they're missing it because they care about their things. Tunnel vision. That's all they see. Verse 49. And one of them, Caiaphas, being the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you not consider that it's expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that not the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not say of his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. See, Caiaphas didn't realize the implications of what he was speaking. He was actually being very selfish and blaspheming against God. But God still used, God directed his words to express God's heart on saving his people. Because when he said this, he's thinking about, this is what he's saying. Listen to this. You are nothing at all, or do you not know, consider this expedient for us that one man should die and not that the whole nation should perish? He doesn't really care about the nation. He's thinking, man, you know, the Romans are going to come in and this guy gets power, so we're going to lose our stuff. We're going to suffer. Oh, and, you know, and we're part of the people, so the people are going to suffer too, but we're going to lose our stuff. So, you know, we should kill him. It's expedient for Jesus to die and that we don't come over Roman rule. They're thinking fleshly. God's like, oh, yeah. You're right, I am going to die, and the nation will be saved. God's using him to prophesy, and he doesn't even know it. Listen to 53, verse 53. Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim. And there remained with his disciples. Now, and the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Passover is a big deal. Then they sought Jesus and spoke among themselves, as they stood in the temple, these are the Pharisees, they're saying this. What do you think? Do you think he's going to come to the feast? They're pondering it, because they know this guy's pretty bold. Like, do you think he's going to come here? Because if, if he comes here, we're going to get him. Both 
chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it that they might seize him. Then six days before chapter 12, then six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, who we raised from the dead. And they made him supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of the ones that sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil with spikenard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Pause right there. Mary obviously realized who Jesus is. This very costly spikenard, this oil, right, or later, Judas Iscariot says that, you know, why wasn't it sold for 300 denarii? So one denarii is about a day's worth of wage. So, you know, if you make more than a pastor, let's say you make $30 an hour, then you make, you know, $1,500. let us say you make like 60 grand a year. That's like, what, 49000 48000 that you're going to pour on a man's feet. However you make, whatever. It's 300 days out of 365, right? And then washed his feet with her hair. That's all she could think about doing. That's all she cared about. And feet are gross. Let's just get that. Let's just get that out of there. They are. I mean, unless you have a foot fetish, and you know that's that. No problem. That's you know, no judgment. No judgment here. No judgment. But I mean, feet. Feet are the closest thing to the ground, right? The ground is gross. People spit on the ground. People do whatever to the ground. Feet's the closest thing to the ground. That's why. When people ride through, they ride on their, oh, you're on your high horse. You're as far away from the ground, looking down on everybody else because you, you people are down there and I'm up here. You're near the ground. I'm up here. Right? That's why people ride on high things because they don't want to be on the ground. His feet are on the ground. Jesus walked on the ground. And she chose not to anoint his head. Nope, she said, you know what, I'm going to go as low as I possibly can, all the way down, get on my knees. I'm going to get close to this dirty ground, and I'm going to anoint his feet. She knew who Jesus was. She understood that there's nothing that she can do. There's nothing that she can do. There's nothing better. We sing a song. Lord, there's nothing, there's nothing better than you. You turn graves into gardens. You turn mourning into dancing. He literally torn, turned mourning into dancing. They were mourning. Lazarus was raised, and now he's eating with them. She's like, oh yeah, this, this jar is like my whole savings that I have for the rest of my life. I don't, this is nothing. This is, this is nothing. 
I will break this and wash your feet with my hair. That's what I'll do. Look at Judas. This is the one that's going to betray him. Why was this fragrant not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He don't care about that. This was said, not that he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He had the money box, and he was dipping in it every now and then. Jesus said, leave her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. I don't even know if they even caught that. For the poor you will always have with you, but me you do not always you will not do not always have. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there. They knew that Jesus was there and they came. Not for Jesus' sake. They should have came for Jesus' sake, but that they might also see Lazarus. Because this got out. We're talking about it right now. Whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also. We don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, right, in the spiritual realm. Jesus knows that. These guys are getting used. They are so blind to who Jesus is. They're plotting to kill Jesus and Lazarus. The enemy is using them, thinking that, okay, if we can just stop Lazarus, if we can kill them, then this, we'll squash this whole thing and it'll be, it'll be over, it'll be done with. I mean, Jesus hasn't even died and risen yet. You know, They're trying to stop this. They can't stop it. Because on account of him, on the account of Lazarus, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Many. Understand that it's God's desire for everyone to believe in him. That's why this was written. I mean, this happened. And not only that, then Christ dies and rose the third day. So it wasn't resuscitation. Again, three days. It wasn't, he was dead for five minutes, dead for an hour, then came back. Nope. So the question that I had in the beginning is, do you believe this? That's the question that you have to answer. Who do you say that Jesus is? I'll tell you my answer. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's our Lord. Right? I want to read one more thing to you. Psalms 110. Listen to this. This is a psalm of David. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Wait, what? The Lord said to my Lord. The Lord said to my Lord. The Lord, the Father, said to my Lord, Christ, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord... Father, shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers, that's us, in the day of your power, in the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, 
You have the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Christ is high priest and king. Perfect high priest and king. Lord and Savior. That's who he is. Who do you say that he is? And do you believe this? If you don't, if you're having trouble with your belief, talk to God. Very simple. Like, open up your mouth. The enemy wants to keep you silent so you don't open your mouth and talk to your father. I know I want my daughter to talk to me if she has any issues. She's mad at me, right? I want you to tell me, right? And sometimes you do. Say, Daddy, I didn't like it when you said this. And I say, I'm sorry, clean your room. No, I don't say that. I say, I apologize if I made you sad. Okay, but I want to hear from her. I don't want her to bottle up and keep it in. And That's not what he wants us to do. Right. Do you believe he is who he says he is? Now, if you're on this side and you believe he is who he says he is, great. Now there's implications to that belief, right? If we say we believe something, it, it changes things, right? It changes things. If we say, hey, you know, I believe in, I believe in, you're innocent until proven guilty. And I'm like, man, that guy looks guilty, man. He's definitely guilty. Look at that guy. Yeah, no, he's guilty. What did I just say? I just said he's, I say I believe innocent until proven guilty. But then I'm like, nah, look at him, man. See his eyes? Yeah, he did it. He did it. We're watching the show with my wife. I'm like, yeah, she did it. <laughs> watching the show that? I was like, yeah, Lincoln. I was watching the Lincoln Lawyer. And I was like, she looks like she did it. I could just tell. I just, I could just tell. That ain't right. That's not justice. My point is, implications to your belief. If we believe in Jesus, then there's a certain way. We need to allow him to cultivate our hearts to to recalibrate our vision to him every day. We should be trying to walk the way Jesus walked. We should be trying to fixate our eyes on Christ every day, if you believe this. And if you don't, then I, then I pray that you will. Come talk to me afterwards, and, and we can pray about it. We can talk about it. We can have a conversation. Okay. I think the band's going to come back up, and I'm going to pray. Father, I love you. I know my actions doesn't always show. I know our actions don't always show our love. But Lord, you first loved us. Lord, I believe that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords.
that you turn graves into gardens, that you turn bones into armies, as we were singing. That you're the only one who can. I believe that your blood is precious, and your precious blood was spilled on the account of us. Sacrificially, you chose for us. There's something special about blood. There's nothing special about it. But you chose to spill your blood. I believe that you want us to be with you in paradise. That you want to save every single one of us. So Lord, I just glorify you today as we continue to sing. May we just worship you. Lord, cause your face to shine upon us. May we continue to look to you for every decision. May there be implications to our beliefs when we say that you are God and I am not. This is our truth. This is our reality. We love you, Jesus. You save us in your name. Amen.